0: Hello, this is Denise, welcoming you to the 2353rd edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline the 3rd of August, 2023. The readers this week are Angela, Roz, and Catherine, with Dem on the controls. Editing, production, and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prille, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning the 7th of August, the sunrise time is 05.32 and the sunset time is 20.38. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and the Enfield Home Library Service. So first of all, I'll start with Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield we hold a drop-in morning on the third thursday in each month from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at park avenue resource centre bush hill park enfield our exercise classes are now running again here are the dates for the next few months the next one will be thursday 17th of august the next thursday 21st of september 19th of october and 16th of november For further information, please contact us on 0208 373 6260. That's 0208 373 6260. And you can also email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. And now the Enfield Home Library Service did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The home library is running in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you'd like to read and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content. So, we can help you to get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information, or to see if you can sign up for this service, email Enfield at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk. dot org dot uk. I'll read that again. That's Enfield at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk. dot org dot Or you can call Shona Tivan. On oh seven eight two six five one one zero nine four. That's oh seven eight two six five one one zero nine four. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking Newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on zero seven eight double nine eight five four five eight two. That's zero seven eight double nine eight five four five eight two. She's your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Angela will read the lead story, Man Gunned Down in Street.
1: Yes, the lead story is Man in his 30s shot dead in the street. Air Ambulance crew was sent to the scene. London's Air Ambulance was dispatched after a fatal shooting in Tottenham late on Sunday night. An Ambulance Service spokesperson confirmed that the medics were called to the shooting in White Hart Lane at the junction with Pretoria Road shortly before 11.30pm. An ambulance crew, an advanced paramedic, an incident response officer, a clinical team manager and members of the London Ambulance Service LAS Tactical Response Unit rushed to the scene. A doctor and a paramedic from London's Air Ambulance were also dispatched in a car. The London Ambulance Service spokesman said, Sadly, despite the best efforts of our crews, a person was pronounced dead at the scene. Police said a man in his 30s was killed and that officers are working to inform his next of kin. A crime scene was put in place and no arrests have been made at this early stage of the investigation. Detective Chief Superintendent Caroline Haynes, lead for policing in Haringey, said, This is a terrible and shocking incident that will understandably cause considerable concern in the community. We share that concern and will do everything we possibly can to support our colleagues as they investigate. Local people can expect to see police in the area over the coming days. My officers are here to listen to your concerns and also to listen to any information that you might have that can help us apprehend those responsible for this awful crime. I urge you to speak to them or to contact Crime Stoppers as quickly as possible. Anyone who has information that could help police should call 101, quoting reference CAD 7377. Slash thirty July. To remain anonymous, contact the independent charity Crime Stoppers on zero eight hundred five 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 one one one, or visit CrimeStoppers UK org. Mayor
2: visits school ahead of new free school meal scheme. The Mayor of London visited a school ahead of a scheme to provide emergency free school meals nationwide, aiming to stop pupils hiding their hunger out of shame. Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, went to Stroud Green Primary School in Harringay to see preparations ahead of the few school meal scheme, starting after the summer holidays. Under the scheme, the Mayor is providing an emergency £135 million towards free school meals for state primary school children across London for the next academic year. This comes as the UK grapples with the cost of living crisis and the latest YouGov polling shows that a sixth of children aged 5 to 11 years are going without essentials, including food, electricity and gas. Mr Khan, who received free school meals as a child himself, said it is truly shocking that so many families across the capital are struggling to feed themselves as they deal with the escalating cost of living crisis. It simply cannot be right that in a city as prosperous as ours, around one in six parents are going without essentials to get by. Naomi Duncan, chief executive of Chefs in School, added... We've seen and heard first-hand of children hiding their hunger out of shame, of schools and having to find extra meals from teaching budgets. This scheme will make sure every primary school child in London gets a hot meal at lunchtime. City Hall said that twenty-seven thousand, twenty-seven—I apologise—two hundred and seventy thousand children will benefit from one-off funding, and families will save an average of four hundred and forty pounds per year per child. More than a third of parents and guardians said they are financially struggling and City Hall also said it has offered each London borough funding to deliver the school meals to pupils to years three to six in state-funded schools from September onwards. Lucy Walker-Collins, head of Stroud Green Primary School, said it will make such a big difference to the children to receive these meals each day and be a huge support to their parents and guardians. Currently, children in years three to six only receive free meals if they live in households on universal credit and earning less than £7,400 annually. London boroughs are set to receive £2.65 per head extra in funding, which City Hall said was higher than the amount they receive from central government. And another one here
3: about funding. This one's entitled Council Debt Among Highest in UK. Rising borrowing costs are putting Enfield Council under extreme financial pressure as new government figures show it has one of the highest total debts in the country. Data released by the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities puts Enfield in the top 10 most indebted English councils. Three of those with greater debt, Woking, Thurrock and Croydon, effectively declared bankruptcy via a Section 114 notice after piling up huge debt mountains they couldn't sustain. Most others in the top ten are major cities such as Birmingham and Leeds, which have greater capacity to borrow. Bank of England interest rates rose to 5% in June and are forecast to hit 6.5% by the year's end. This follows 13 years when interest rates were below 1%, during which period many local authorities built up significant long-term debt to finance capital spending, while annual grants from central government were slashed. Enfield Council's total debt is £1.12 billion, with debt repayments now representing more than 10% of its net revenue budget. However, it insists its finances are robust, with budgets managed shrewdly. Around £400 million of council borrowing has financed the Meridian Water Housing Project. But the Council's own budget report for 2023-24 to warned this had exposed the authority to a number of financial risks, with money borrowed from the Public Works Loan Board to be paid back through land receipts. It means the project is sensitive to wider market forces, which impact sales values. Enfield's housing crisis, in which hundreds of homeless families have been holed up in hotels, has created an additional £20 million budget pressure this year that the council still needs to balance. A local government policy manager at the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy, Joanne Pitt, told the dispatch recently we have seen a worrying increase in councils issuing Section 114 notices in England, or talk of them being issued. They should be a last resort, and while the reasons behind each case will be different, the reality for most is a failure to balance the budget, as witnessed in councils such as Croydon and Woking. A local authority can borrow money to finance capital projects, but it must be proportionate and in the public interest. The financial outlook for all councils is extremely difficult and requires clear vision, strong leadership and a workable financial plan combined with effective management. In response, Enfield Council has pointed out that most councils suffering severe financial problems in recent years have had debts significantly higher per head of population, such as Woking's £19,000 per head, and Thurrock's £8,600 a head, compared with Enfield's £3,400 per head. Croydon's short-term loans, which are more vulnerable to interest rate rises, represent 21% of its total debt, compared with Enfield's 6.6%. But James Hockney, the Conservative Group's Shadow Cabinet Member for Finance, has warned that the Council's high debt repayments will make big cuts necessary. He said, We repeatedly warned Enfield Labour on the risks of piling up debt for years. They ignored these risks, and now we are the 10th most indebted council in England, out of over 300 councils. What this means is huge cuts to frontline services to pay the debt interest. Already, out of a £286 million budget, £32 million is spent on debt. This will continue to increase to 46 million in three years' time. The government last year gave the council a core grant increase of 20%, which amounted to 10 million. But the council's finances are in such a mess that this is outweighed by the debt payment bubble. Matthew Fright from the Institute for Government has also called on Whitehall to help struggling councils. He said the government needs to get a firmer grip of the financial risks facing local authorities. It should start by improving its monitoring and oversight of local authority financial health, as it promised in October 2020. A council spokesperson said, "'Enfield Council's budgets are in a solid position "'and we manage our finances shrewdly "'with a clear and public 10-year investment strategy.' A recent LGA peer review found our budget was in a robust position and we have always managed to balance our budgets. The council has borrowed to invest in the regeneration of our borough and hasn't engaged in risky, out-of-borough commercial activities like other councils. Instead, we locked in lower interest rates to build homes where Enfield needed them most. The spokesperson pointed out that central government funding for Enfield Council, has been cut by 42% since 2010, equivalent to £81 million. They added, This, alongside the skyrocketing of inflation, record interest rates and economic turmoil amidst a cost-of-living crisis, has created further budget challenges. Inflation alone increased revenue costs threefold in 12 months, meaning we had to make savings. Had the government carried out the local government funding reforms in 2020 and 21 as planned, we would be £32 million per year better off. Without adequate funding, we have no option but to revisit budgets across the council.
0: And now we have an item on the climate crisis. Children today could be left worse off than their parents if issues such as climate change are not tackled, according to prominent epidemiologist Sir Michael Marmot, who also said taxes should be raised to tackle health inequality in the UK. Sir Michael, who is a Professor of Epidemiology at University College London, UCL, and Director of the UCL Institute for Health Equity, was speaking about health inequality at the British Medical Association's annual representative meeting in Liverpool. He told the PA News Agency there is a risk of children today being left worse off or not better off than their parents and said there are two major components to tackling widening health inequality in the UK, the first being climate change. Our children will be worse off than us if we burn up the planet. It's going to be terrible. So the urgency, not just today, yesterday, in dealing with the climate crisis is key to everything we talk about. Sir Michael also said child poverty is an issue, referencing a study of the height of five-year-olds which was published last month. The research found British five-year-olds were seven centimetres shorter than children of the same age in Europe. He added, Given that, I think that the height of individuals is determined by who their parents were, by their genes... But when you see trends over time and differences among groups that's likely to be childhood nutrition, infections, poverty, stress all of those things that we know influence growth in children. In 1985 British five-year-olds were ranked 69th out of 200 countries in terms of height. In 2019 boys were ranked 102nd while girls were 96th. Sir Michael suggested raising taxes could help combat health inequality. If you look at the tax level in the UK, the OBR, Office for Budget Responsibility, figures, our tax level is about 34% of GDP. The average for Europe, sorry I'll read that again, the average for the EU 14 is 40%. And we say we can't afford to reduce child poverty. We can't afford to subsidise childcare. We've got, I think, the second most expensive childcare costs in Europe because we don't subsidise it. And so, poor families, it's usually mothers, can't go out to work because they can't afford childcare. Now we have an
1: item t- head, uh, titled Disused Shop to be New Indoor Arts Venue. And this disused shop is IKEA. A disused IKEA will be transformed into one of London's largest indoor ven- venues. The 608,000 square foot warehouse will become an entertainment venue known as Drumsheds and will have a larger capacity than places such as Wembley Arena and Alexandra Palace once it opens this September. The site at Glover Drive Tottenham was home to the Swedish furniture warehouse IKEA for 17 years before it closed in 2022. Its space will offer a carefully curated programme of cultural venues for music, arts, culture and community, the owners, Broadwick, have said. So Drumsheds is a new venture for the company known for turning a disused printing press in Rotherhithe into the much-loved clubbing destination Printworks, which has now closed. Located just four minutes from Tottenham Hale Station... It is hoped that the venue will attract people from across the capital and beyond once it starts hosting events. Broadwick says that complete set builds, fashion shows and music events will be just some of the examples of events hosted at the place, which can hold up to 15,000 guests. Comparatively, Wembley Arena, London's second largest indoor arena after the O2, can hold as many as 12,500 seats. Much like Printworks, the warehouse will retain an industrial feel with old lift shafts and loading bays kept in the arena. Simeon Aldred, the Director of Strategy at Broadwick, said, Broadwick's mission has always been to build brands that deliver unrivaled live experiences that create real impact. And we are proud to announce Drumsheds, set to be London's most impactful cultural experience of its kind, set across 608,000 square feet in North London. We want Drumsheds, like all the spaces we create, to be the new centre of cultural gravity that provides the basis for human connection. A connection that will have people craving more now than never for
2: something new. And here's an article close to my heart that I spent many summers in this park opposite my childhood home. Broomfield House Memorial Plan. Enfield Council wants residents to share their ideas on how to memorialise a historic building repeatedly damaged by fire. The Civic Centre has launched a consultation on plans to improve Broomfield Park in Palmer's Green as it prepares to submit a bid for lottery funding in August. The park contains the ruins of the Grade II listed mansion Broomfield House, which was built during the 16th century but has been neglected since being damaged by a series of fires in 64, 1983, 1994 and in 2019. Although local groups, including charity Broomfield House Trust, had hoped to fully restore the building last year, the council revealed it was seeking demolition. The authority now hopes to win funding to dismantle the shell of the house and reconstruct it to the park, although through memorialisation, interpretation and, of course, landscaping. Colin Younger, chairman of the trust, said... It's not the solution we have been fighting for over the last however many years, but practically speaking, we have tried every way we can, not just us, but other groups of raising money for restoration. At times, went on, it would have cost more and more because the house got more and more damaged each time there was a fire. If the council's bid is successful, it will receive an initial pot of money from the National Lottery Heritage Fund, to develop a shared vision for the house and surrounding landscape in consultation with the local community and to work out the cost and timeline for the project. The application is due to be submitted next month and the Council will find out whether it has been successful in the first quarter of 2024. The next stage would be to submit a further funding bid for works to the house and park in 2025, which, if successful, would begin the following year. After several centuries of private ownership, Broomfield House subsequently housed Southgate County School when it first opened in 1907. It later hosted Southgate's first maternity centre there in 1917. And the building was classified as Grade 2 in 1950 because of its history and architectural uniqueness. Mr Younger added, Behind the house and gardens is a stable block which is Grade 2 listed. At the moment there is no plan how that might be dealt with. This is all long-term stuff. The important thing is that people respond to the council questionnaire about this and give their views about what should happen. The survey which is open till Sunday, can be completed at HTTPS, that's www.surveymonkey.co.uk forward slash r forward slash Broomfield Park 2023. That's www.surveymonkey.co.uk forward slash r forward slash Broomfield Park 2023.
3: Here's a fun one. Enfield Boy stakes claim as world's youngest author. A four-year-old boy from Enfield Highway could become the world's youngest author after his father helped him turn his own bedtime story into a published picture book. Transcribed from the imagination of Essie Lowenthal, Baby Fox, available to buy at online retailers including Waterstones, is a short, charming story about the misadventures of a young fox, which even manages to include a dramatic plot twist involving a jellyfish. Essie had yet to reach his fourth birthday at the time Baby Fox was published in April. While the current record for the youngest author is held by someone who is aged four years and ten months, Guinness World Records has told the family they can't claim it, until 1,000 copies of the 30-page book have been sold. So far, they have shifted around 400 copies, giving them until the end of the year to sell another 600. Explaining his son's remarkable achievement, proud dad, Sholey Lowenthal, told the, De- the Dispatch, When Essie was aged about one and a half, we started noticing that he had learned the ABCs by heart, and by age two, we noticed he was reading words. All the way through, from two to three, he was reading, and he was reading really well. We were doing bedtime stories, but he would want us to do two, three, four of them. We had to limit it. With his imagination growing, story-obsessed Essie one day turned the tables on his parents by reading aloud his own imagined tales, based around a character he conjured called Baby Fox. Impressed, Sholi began recording them on his phone. Um, Myself and my wife were telling our own bedtime stories that we would make up. When Essie was three and a half, we got a book for his bedtime with empty pages and he got us to draw characters from our stories. Then he decided he wanted to tell us a bedtime story himself. When we began recording them, we noticed they were quite interesting. Sholey said Essie has so far come up with dozens of stories, many of which use the same baby fox character. Although he would sometimes go on meandering journeys, sholey realised many were distinct and powerful. Asked how he made the leap to publishing the story, sholey said, it's all been his initiative. He would ask us when we were going to print the book. We were looking for publishers and he was going through every word. He was familiar with different publishers like Penguin, but then he decided he wanted to publish it himself and he said he wanted to call it British Isles Publishing. He chose a logo and we helped cut out the letters. Sholi used artificial intelligence to illustrate the book after putting the text into OpenAI software. The result is eclectic, but it works well. More stories are now in the works. If Essie wants to carry on with it and other people start hearing about it and buying it, who knows, it could turn out
0: into a real business. And now we have an item that will get your digestive juices flowing about Gourmet Food Hall that's opened doors at the Battersea Power Station. Arcade Battersea has opened inside the historic Battersea Power Station with a host of traders, including exclusive vendors. Opened... From Wednesday, July the 26th, the Gourmet Food Hall boasts a selection of food and drink traders that have been developed by Arcade Create, a programme that helps new food talents launch brands. Including among the vendors are food brands exclusive to Arcade Battersea, Flatbread by Thomas Straker, Hong Kong-inspired Cantonese comfort food, siu siu, and ped power, which serves up the fiery flavours of Eastern-style Thai food. Thomas Straker, the chef with 1.3 followers on TikTok and an eponymous restaurant in Notting Hill, has created seven dishes using flatbread as a base, all smothered in butters and topped with the likes of chilli mussels and doja with smoked burrata and honey and confit duck leg with pickled onion. Ped Power plates up the fragrant, flavor-heavy dishes of Thailand, pad Pao, chicken stir-fried with fragrant holy basil, served with rice and topped with a fried egg, the punchy papaya salad som tam, and tam lao, rice noodles loaded with fermented fish sauce, chilies and lime. Inspired by the roast meat shops in Hong Kong, Cantonese comfort food joint Su Siu's signature dish, Sorrowful Rice, included oven-roasted char sui iberico pork finished on the grill and served on steamed rice that comes flavoured with sweet soy, pickled mustard greens and a fried egg. Also serving hungry punters in the 500-seat food hall is Middle Eastern Shawarma Kitchen, Shata and Toom. Tipan Tapan, and Nepali street food stall developed by ex-fat duck chef Arjun Garung, North Indian fast food, Join Hero and Mexa, a Mexico City-inspired outlet by the creators of Sonora Taqueria. The tap room will boast 32 drinks on tap, from cocktails, beers, and soft drink, while the ABC Bar will focus on classic cocktails. Koki Sulkin, C.O.O. of Arcade, said he hoped the team created a venue that people wanted to visit time and time again. He said not only is it a unique dining experience that allows for people of all ages to try different cuisines but it's also an exciting offering to showcase new and emerging food brands that we have developed via the Arcade Create programme.
1: Following on with the delicious tasting we have an article entitled delicious tasting menu at restaurant with a great view and this article is written by zita wally from newsquest and she says i lament a cafe or a restaurant attached to a tourist attraction or destination location that appears to be an afterthought a sweaty panini or something equally miserable is never a good way to start or finish anything especially if anything is good The Sky Garden, found in the French Church building, a.k.a. the Walkie-Talkie, beckons Londoners and visitors alike, luring crowds in with its expansive views across the top of the city, past St Paul's and beyond the Thames. With a view so good and no shortage of people wanting to see it, it would be easy for the Sky Garden's dining spot, the French Church restaurant, to let the cityscape do its grafting. However, thankfully, this is not the case. In fact, my friend Chris gushed repeatedly throughout the evening. Dinner here, swathed in views of the capital, is such an experience. Found thirty-seven floors up, Fenchurch Restaurant is a snug enclosure, nestled among the constantly heaving gardens, nestled among the constantly heaving gardens, away from the riffraff, yet overlooking it. It is a place to watch the garden's ongoings below and the view beyond. And if you time it right, sunset over a five-course tasting menu. Some dishes ordered a la carte or just a cocktail at the bar. The kitchen is headed up by Keith, by Kurth Gums, a chef who brings his Anguillian heritage to the kitchen to create European dishes flavored with a hint of the Caribbean. We went for a five-course tasting menu, one vegetarian, one regular, both inventive, full of comfort, yet flamboyant, not homely, served with a healthy dose of the theatrics. I don't know what that tastes like. We had intended to pair our meal with cocktails. However, we decided to try the wine at the polite yet insistent behest of our waitress, and she wasn't wrong to suggest it. The wine pairings were considered and well-matched at every pore. So back to the food, it started with an array of snacks. The soft, bite-sized taco filled with lightly spiced beetroot had a pleasant crunch, while the log of a mac and cheese croquette that came with the cheese shavings on the top was a comforting indulgence, indulgence, as was the layered square of crispy fried sweet potato. My mouth is now currently watering. These were served along with a Johnny cake, a dish new to me, which was a bread roll sitting in a smear of orange scotch bonnet mayonnaise and stuffed with a courgette and cheddar. For me, a fishy crab and a row combination, and for Chris, it was the latter. The show Stopping Fungi and Salt Broccoli, a punchier, fishier version across the table, drew admiration and curiosity from nearby diners. It arrived in two glass dishes, one filled with crunchy steamed broccoli and assorted veg, and the other contained in a light yet richly spiced tomatoey broth stacked on top of each other, and at the bottom end of a glass, a funnel contraption which has... We had the most aromatic dried grass and flowers poking out the top. <laughs> the roasted cauliflower was my highlight dish and showcased the brassica's versatility. The vegetable arrived tender and golden brown with an umami cauliflower puree drizzled on top, brightened with splotches of a vivid green piquant sauce. This was followed by a nut barbecue, sorry, not a bu- nut barbecue, a nut BBQ, a Miataki, which was something between a nut roast and a wellington with hints of sharp tamarind through it and every bit as warming as Sunday roast. Perhaps not technically a meal, the palate-cleansing soursop ice lolly was another standout refreshing and tart, and the whisky-flavoured gummy bear was a Blumenthal-esque confusion, which is to say, completely unexpected and discombobulating, but not unenjoyable at all. The meal was finished off with a conky dumpling-inspired Le Ducana cake, which is an Antiguan dessert made with sweet potato. The moist and unexpected light cake came with a simple salted milk ice cream so moorish, I could have eaten the kitchen's
2: entire stock of it. Mm. Well, uh, after all that food, I, I think we're ready for some sport. <laughs> no, no. <More> food, please. <laughs> so here's some news about Spicer, who seeks help at the World Championships. Lee Valley Athletes, Phoebe Spicer is determined to leverage her home advantage as she represents British Canoeing at the renowned Lee Valley White Water Centre during the highly anticipated 23 ICF Canoe Slalom World Championships. Having started her canoeing journey at Lee Valley in 2013, the 23-year-old has remained committed to training at this venue ever since. The Hodderston-based athlete discovered paddling through British Canoeing's Talent ID programme at the age of 13 and has since gone on to become a budding talent for British Canoeing. Being my first senior world championships, it was an amazing achievement and also being able to do it at my hometown at Lee Valley is definitely exciting, said Spicer. I think you definitely get a home advantage on your home course, but I'm mainly just excited to race there. Having family and friends around will be nice. Usually you don't get that sort of a support abroad. And also having a home crowd will help push us athletes along as a team. Spicer, who is in her third year on the World Class programme, delivered an outstanding performance at the Junior and Under-23 World Championships in Ivria, Italy in 2018. After finishing fourth in both the under-23 CI team and junior KI team events, she finished the meeting with a solid ninth place in the junior world class. The Welling Garden City-born athlete went on to praise the Lee Valley facility, adding the venue is probably one of the best in the world. You definitely get an advantage training here. We have some great gym facilities too and offices here. It's just so very great to be here. If you would like to know more about activities at this world-class venue, which played host to the Canoe Slalom events during London 2012, go look on www.better.org.uk forward slash Leisure Centre forward slash Lee Valley. Council slammed over single Green Flag Park. Forty Hall remains the only green flag accredited park in Enfield, despite a council pledge to win more of the environmental awards. The council celebrated the award presented to the well-maintained parks and green spaces by charity Keep Britain Tidy, saying it was a testament to the hard work and dedication of the team that cares for the green space so everyone can enjoy it. Forty Hall Estate covers 110 acres in the north of the borough and also won the award last year when the Labour Administration pledged to increase the number of public, publicly accessible parks, achieving the internationally recognised quality mark by at least one every year. The pledge was made in the run-up to the local election. But despite having announced the largest number of green spaces in London, covering more than 900 hectares in total, Enfield is one of only six borough councils to still have just one single green flag award for its parks, above only Barnet, Brent and Bromley, which all have zero. Neighbouring Harringy Council, however, won 22 green flags, while top performer Hillingdon bagged 67 in the latest round of awards. Conservative group leader Alessandro Giorgio said Enfield's performance is not good enough. The irony about the situation is we have a council that claims to be one of the greenest in London, yet they are of the most useless, he said. They are being disingenuous and with the green flag at Forty Hall, it is not new, it is a re-adoption. This is coming from the same council that wants to be green and build all over the Green Belt, they are just rank hypocrites. The council proposed releasing Green Belt sites for development in its draft local plan, which was first published in 2021. Earlier this year, officers revealed by authority hopes to raise £800 million by selling off Green Belt land. A council spokesman said, "Enville Council is ambitious for all our parks and maintains and invests in them to a high standard. We are grateful to all council staff volunteers, park friends groups and visitors who help make them great places for our residents to enjoy. However... Applying for green flags is a lengthy process that requires council officer time and resource so parks are prioritised and this year Forty Hall has focused on because of our recognition as its value to all the local people.
3: And now something about Arnos Grove Tube Station, Step Free Tube Station. Arnos Grove has been included on a list of 10 tube stations that will be prioritised for step-free access access upgrades by Transport for London or TfL. The Piccadilly Line stop was identified by TfL using an approach focused on benefits to customers, such as reducing journey times for those needing to use step-free access and reflecting issues that impact the delivery of step-free access, such as the feasibility of new lifts, sufficient space for work to be carried out and the depth of each tube station. If Arnos Grove is made step-free, it would become the third London Underground Station in Enfield to be made fully accessible after Oakwood and Cockfosters further up the line. Subject to funding being identified and the outcome of feasibility studies, upgrade work could finish
0: by 2026. And now for some football news. Enfield Town set for pre-season finale. Enfield Town complete their pre-season campaign with a visit from Gray's Athletic on Saturday. Gavin McPherson's men ran out 3-2 winners at Waltham Abbey last weekend, before a midweek trip to Rainers Lane. And the boss was pleased by some aspects, telling the club website, Some of what I saw was very pleasing. On the other hand, some players didn't step up and take responsibility for certain things. You can't legislate for the goals, which were two of the worst I've seen in a long time, and that can't go on. But they were a week, if not two, ahead of us in terms of their pre-season and a little bit sharper. There's still work to do to get the players round to our way of thinking. We're transitioning from a certain style of football into another, but we should hopefully see a progression going forward by the time we play Concord Rangers on August 12th. Everyone needs to be singing from the same song sheet. Marcus Wiley opened the scoring inside a minute at Abbey after a Sam Young's shot was blocked. And Wiley made it 2-0 just past the half-hour mark when Sammy Basadi's clever dummy allowed Mickey Par- Parcell to play the ball forward for him to pounce and score. Reese Forster denied Abby a reply as the hosts also hit the woodwork before the deficit was halved by an own goal. Young's headed home Joe Payne's long throw to restore the two goal cushion before half time, with Jake Cass also going close with an overhead kick. Abby grabbed their second goal six minutes after the restart and had more possession as Town made several changes. But the visitors went close late on when a trialist shot straight at the keeper. Town have also discovered who they will face during the twenty twenty three to twenty four Phoenix trophy. The club received an invitation to play in the UEFA approved European competition for non-professional clubs of exceptional social, historical and cultural distinctiveness and have been grouped with Copenhagen-based BK Skjold, the current holders, and Welsh side Tantwit Major. Enfield fell to a 2-1 defeat at Hartford Town in their final pre-season friendly. Samre Gebrai gave Jamie Curton's men a tenth-minute lead, but the hosts hit back to level midway through the second half and grabbed a winner on 84 minutes. Enfield hosts Coggeshall Town in the FA Cup extra-preliminary round on Sunday at 1pm and, if successful, will visit Leyton Town or Basildon United in the preliminary round on August 19th. They start the Isthmian North season with a visit from Gray's Athletic on August twelfth. Enfield Borough are set to host Clapton in Thurlow Nunn League Division 1 South on Saturday, having started their campaign with a home game against Park View in midweek.
1: Lifestyle Hotel opens in a converted mansion. Birch Community's Second Lifestyle Hotel has opened in Croydon, just 30 minutes away from central London. Using the same concept as its award-winning sister hotel in Cheshunt, Hertfordshire, birch Selsdon is a large 19th-century country mansion converted into a 181 boutique retreat set on 200 acres of rolling hills and green space just a 10-minute drive from East Croydon train station. The mansion's vast green space was in fact a golf course but is now one of London's biggest rewilding projects overseen by designer and environmentalist Sebastian Cox. The hotel's flagship restaurant called Elodie is also open and it is open to members and guests and the general public. Helmed by the award-winning and Michelin-starred chef Lee Westcott, Lod takes its cues from Birch's vast rewilding projects to serve up tasting menus, including vegetarian, vegan, and other dietary requirements on the menus, which are available on request. The menu is made of seasonal and foraged produce, as well as stuff grown from the hotel's expansive grounds. The restaurant's design also makes uses makes use of Birch's bucolic settings, drawing panoramic views of the grounds into the Victorian-style dining room. In addition, Elodie Vervivian is an all-day dining British brasserie, serving up seasonal dishes there, and there are three bars on site as well. For the physically active, a tennis course, a Lido due to open later this year, a wellness space with a gym, Studios and treatment rooms and cycling and running tracks should keep you busy. There is also a pottery studio, a screen printing workshop and a reading room and a programme of creative workshops such as ring making and DJ workshops and wellness activities such as yoga and Pilates. For those with kids... The hotel has a family wing and there are also Birchling Kids Club offering games, activities, arts and crafts and pyjama parties and the like. So parents can do what they want when they need to relax. I'm not sure parents can do what they want, but anyway. A true post-pandemic venture, Birch Selsden will also have co-working spaces for digital nomads and for those who just need to log on whilst taking time out. Birch Selsden is now open and LOD is currently open for guests and non-guests. To find out more, visit, and this is all one word, birchcommunity.com.
0: Well, we have reached the end of our programme for this week, but before we go, we are aware you did not receive your memory sticks last week. Unfortunately, this was due to a postal issue, but be assured you will receive last week and this week's recording on the one stick. Uh, and so we would like to thank you for listening. And from the team of Angela, Roz, Catherine and Dem on the controls, it's bye Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying, play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane Jersey to update your contact records and try out her new telephone number. And regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspapers on telephone number 07899 854 582. I'll read that again. That's 07899 854 582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.